friends. Welcome to episode three of the Inspire Literacy podcast. We have an exciting topic today. We are going to talk about read aloud. So um, when, in preparing for our podcast, um, I was thinking about what are some, you know, quotes that come to mind um, when thinking about read aloud. And I was thinking about Lester um, Lamanac, who has written a lot about read aloud. And one of the things that he said is when a teacher reads aloud, it is bonding between the teacher, the children, the books, and the act of reading. I just love that because I feel like that's one of the biggest reasons why we read aloud, right? Yeah, and I made me think of another um, quote that Jim Trelease said in his Read Aloud Handbook, um, which is a kind of text that is was written quite a long time ago, um, but so much of it still holds true when we think about Read Aloud. It's one of those practices, I think, that um, is so near and dear to our heart. So anyways, he said, um, people would stand in line for days, pay hundreds of dollars if there was a pill that could do everything for a child that reading aloud does. It expands their interests in books, vocabulary, comprehension, grammar, and attention span. Simply put, it's a free oral vaccine for literacy. So I think that read aloud is something that is so important and we want to um, bring you some new fresh ideas perhaps about read aloud today. Yeah, so maybe we should talk first about like why do we even do read aloud? What's our why behind it? Um, and I guess I can speak more from a upper grade, even middle school perspective, since that's often the teachers that I support. And I think sometimes, not often, I think this is sort of fading away, but sometimes, um, you know, the older kids get, um, the more we think we need to squeeze that practice of reading aloud out. Mm -hmm. and um, I would say I'm probably guilty of this as a parent at home, you know, like not reading aloud enough to my children at home, um, and I need to remind myself to probably do it more, but um, I think, you know, regardless of the age of kids that we teach, um, there are so many benefits to reading aloud that we, we really want to continue that practice, you know, all the way up. Um, and when I think of read aloud, I think it's like really the heart of everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Like it is the lifeblood of readers workshop and writers workshop. Um, and it's really the heart of our um, classrooms because it builds our community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one of the main reasons why I would read aloud, right? Yeah. And, and going with that idea of community, and I'll speak from a primary perspective, Um, if we just even think about kindergarten classrooms or first grade classrooms and the wide variety of readers and reading levels that we have in our our classrooms, we might have a, you know, all the way to K, L, or M, where we have emergent readers to chapter book readers. And Read Aloud provides a place where we can level that playing field for everybody and build this community between our readers where everybody, every little one on the carpet can have access to um, a more complex text that they may or may not be able to read by themselves. And it's so exciting to read aloud to kindergartners 
who maybe aren't conventionally reading yet, but are having like the most thoughtful conversations or they're um, really thinking about the text or they're, you know, they're even able to retell the text. Those comprehension skills that, you know, they're not practicing in their own texts because they can't, or those books don't provide for that. They're able to do in a read aloud. And so in that way, it really builds the community, but it also um, gives kids just time to practice their thinking and their talking about books. Um, and I've just really, you know, seen kids in read aloud in the primary grades grow as readers when they do get access to those more complex texts because of read aloud. Yeah, for sure. Um, one very wise staff developer that I've worked with before, and I don't even remember who it was, but I remember she used the analogy of um, the read aloud is like the real game. And then if that's the case, since she was talking about how there are many lessons is the scrimmage, right? Mm -hmm. Where we get to like practice that one isolated skill. Um, but then when we get into the read aloud, it's like we're in the real game, right? We're putting together all of those skills mm -hmm. of the mini lesson and we're able to be active and engage with that text. So when I think of, you know, why do we, read aloud, I think like that is our opportunity to teach, to model, um, but more importantly, to engage kids in the work of whatever unit we're teaching so that they get a chance to practice all those skills and strategies. Um, so it's like that, that complete orchestration, it all sort of comes together in the read aloud. So, you know, I love that you're saying like, I mean, I, I think we often get that question from teachers like, what about, you know, our kids that are reluctant or maybe aren't able to access, mm -hmm. you know, grade level text. So I love that you, you're, you're talking about, you know, your why or one of your whys is, you know, we are giving all kids access to those texts. And I also think read aloud is important because we are giving all kids access to grade level skills mm -hmm. and strategy mm -hmm. work too, that they may not be doing in their independent books. And how about talking to their partners? Oh right? yeah. Like I think that we, another great benefit of read aloud is that we can really support their partner talk because how many times do you pull up to partners and you don't know the book that maybe that they're talking about. And so you don't even know if they're on track and you know, mm -hmm. that their comprehension, that they're even understanding and talking about what the book is about. But with read aloud, we can really, control that because we know what the book is about and we can coach those partnerships because we know the book so well um I love like sitting behind kids and just whispering to them um pre-covid of course um <laughs> whispering them things to say to their partner or ways because I do know the book and I do know things that they could be talking about mm -hmm. I think yeah it becomes that it becomes that like common language of the classroom yeah. that book does right um and, and so, yeah, it's a great springboard to practice our talking and listening skills. Um, I also think that, um, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about reading, but those read alouds can also become mentor texts for writing workshop as well. Yeah. Um, and so we can read those, you know, picture books or chapter books or whatever text we're, we're using, and we can read them as a writer as well. 
which is which was like cool to think about. Like we could get a lot of squeeze a lot of instruction mm -hmm. out of one, you know, text. So, um, and I think we can use those same texts throughout the year. Um, so we do get a lot of bang for buck out of that instructional time, which mm -hmm. is great to think about. It makes me think about in, in nonfiction, I don't know, in like the primary grades of nonfiction, the Melissa Stewart mm -hmm. National Geographic books, like how those books are just tons of post-its. And for me, if I'm using it as a reading, reading read aloud, then I use like pink post-its. And if I'm using it as a writing mentor, text days, yellow post-its, because I want to use that book mm -hmm. both reading and writing workshop. And I think that that's so so powerful for kids and then even better when they go and grab that or they ask if they can borrow it during writing workshop because they want to try to be like that oh for sure for sure um and so why else do we read aloud I mean I think one of the biggest reasons is um you know we use those books um as mirrors and windows and doors um because we know that you know, those culturally responsive books really creates an environment or an inclusive community in our classrooms. And that's, of course, um, one of our big aims in our classrooms. Um, and so I think, you know, we want to make sure that when we're reading aloud, um, we're reading, reading aloud, you know, those books, um, diverse books, diverse titles. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that, um, you know, read aloud offers us that opportunity to be able to do that, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And what what are mirrors, windows, and doors? Should we talk about that for a second? <laughs> yeah, what do you think of when you think of that? So a mirror would be um, like a mirror you see yourself in it. So a mirror book would be a book that children see themselves in. And I think, or I know, more, there are more and more books on the daily that are coming out with same voice authors and more and more kids are gonna be able to see themselves in books. And I just think that is so important. Yes. So, so important. For sure. And what about windows and doors? What do you think of when you? Windows, I think um, seeing through. So you're using the book to um, see someone else's perspective or see someone who maybe isn't like you, but to help you understand better, right? And then sliding doors remind me. Sliding doors. Um, you know, I'm kind of coming up with a blank with that too. What is it? We're going to have to research that one. That's going to be, let's, let's put a pause on that one. And I make know. Sure we have that right. Um, maybe we, that can be our question we circle back to next week. Yeah, um, that's a, that we definitely we definitely should know the answer to that one. Uh -huh. um, but I mean, definitely, I think read aloud does offer that opportunity, right, for mm -hmm. us to make sure we're addressing some of those things um, and um, allowing kids the space to be reflective about it too. Because um, I mean, I think sometimes in this in the time of our day, we're always so rushed for everything, right? Rush, 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 rush. So really making sure we set aside time for that. Super important. Yes. Anything else like we didn't think about for why do we do read aloud? Um, I think maybe this happens. I mean, maybe 
I was going to say maybe only in upper grades, but probably a little bit in primary too, that it inspires kids to um, maybe read books by the same author that we've read aloud to them or in the same series. I know um, my own daughter, when she was in third grade, um, being read books that I would have never thought she would have been interested in and she would come home and want to read the next one and the next one. Now that becomes a little bit tricky with levels, of course, but uh, I think that it's something to shoot for and, and kids get excited about what we're excited about. So if we come excited about a book, then they get inspired to maybe go read that book or a book like it. Um, for sure. And then I also think that it, it helps them to see what good um, thinking and talking work looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when that when they are reading their books independently, you know, above level J, when they start writing about their reading, um, that they can have a vision for what that looks like and that they will start to do that in their own books. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I remember like when I have memories of my like best teachers, um, that is like one of my memories of them is that they read aloud to us. And I remember the stories that they read aloud to us. And I'm, um, I think that, you know, those teachers were some of those teachers that really sparked the, the love of reading, um, you know, in myself, um, they really left that imprint. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons, you know, why we want to mm-hmm. read aloud because it offers us that space to share the joy and love and, and kind of spread it. So, okay. So now we're bought into (laughs) why we should do it. So maybe we should, we should talk for a minute, Shara, about um, like, what exactly do we mean when we're, um, when we say read aloud, like, what are your thoughts, you know, when you're thinking about what is a read aloud? Well, so I can, I can start with what it's not. Okay. Uh, Because when I was in elementary school. Um, one of my favorite times of day was read aloud, um, also known as hair braiding and back. <laughs> um, it was we would come in from recess and we would we would actually sit on the carpet, um, but you could lay or you could yes sit, and the person behind you you would sit in front of you know, one of my friends and the whole time she'd scratch my back and do the like egg cracking on your head and (laughs) braid my hair. And it was like my favorite time of the day. Um, But that is not this kind of read aloud, right? Like there are times when we might want to read aloud books just for the mere pleasure of them um, or because they're thematic or, you know, for whatever reason. But the kind of read aloud that I think we're talking about um, it's interactive read aloud. It's that place where we are asking kids to um, interact, mm-hmm. to act out parts of the book, to turn and talk about parts of the book, to stop and jot, um, to have conversations about. Like I just we we want kids to interact with the book, and that it's not just this time where we sit back and and relax after after recess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I echo that. And I think that, you know, something I would tag along with that is that um, it's, it's not only interactive, but it's planned Mm -hmm. and it's purposeful. So it's something that I do as a teacher have to spend, you know, some time being thoughtful about 
what skills and strategies am I going to teach when I'm reading this aloud with kids? Um, and so as you were talking about before, I want to make sure that I have marked up my read aloud um, for the different spots where I'm going to do some stopping and either thinking or, you know, having the kids try something. So um, it's definitely an instructional time of the day, as you said, mm -hmm. um, and it's planned and um, purposeful. Yes. And the other thing is that um, it's more than one skill. Yes. Right. Like we're not just stopping on every page and having kids make a prediction through the whole book. And like this read aloud book is the prediction book. And this right. read aloud book is the retail book. No, it's like you were saying the game and the scrimmage, like the game is where all of those skills come into play. And so right. we do want them to do a lot of work while they're, while we're reading aloud to them. Yeah. It's that orchestration, right? Orchestration. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And then often, often I would say, you know, maybe not every day, but also I think a part of the interactive read aloud is um, having that whole class grand conversation, right? So, you know, in, in our why, why do we do read aloud? We talked about um, giving kids space to practice their talk. And I think that whole class grand conversation, which we could spend, you know, a whole podcast talking about yeah. that, um, you know, it is also when I think of interactive read aloud, it's definitely a component of that, right, where we're engaging kids to, to think more, even after we close the book, yeah, and to talk and linger on some of the ideas, or concepts that that were in that book. Yeah. Should we share some of our, our favorite? I think books? so. Yeah. All right. So I think, yeah. I mean, I think that um, what we were thinking about was books, because I know teachers are now starting to gear up for going back in, into school and starting the, the school year. So um, I think some of the titles or most of the titles that we chose were with the idea of um, what are some titles you might launch the school year with, right? Okay, so you'll go first. What's the, and Shara, you're probably speaking from more of a K2 perspective, right? Yeah, for sure. These are definitely, um, I mean, some of them you could use second, third, fourth, probably. Um, but one of my favorites, um, sort of a newer book is called Where Are You From? And it is by Yamil Saeed Mendez. And Jamie Kim is the illustrator. Um, and um, this is one of those um, same voice authors. So um, the author was born and raised in Argentina. And the illustrator also has an interesting backstory. So I always love to read like about the um, author and the illustrator. And Jamie Kim was born and raised in South Korea, and both of them moved to the United States um, at middle age, I would say. But anyways, this book is adorable. It is um, about a little girl, and she's asking her abuelo, um, where, where are you from? 
And it goes all the way through. And she keeps saying, but where are you really from? And he's like, keeps bringing up things about his family. And um, she's like, but where are you really from? And it's just a real beautiful um, book, um, really about the power of family love and how no matter where you're from, that you're really from who, who your family is and how they've helped to form you. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, you come from the sunshine that lights our path in this world and the rain that washes away our mistakes. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. And so I was thinking like, there's so much that you could do with this book, especially in the beginning of the year, um, when we're talking with kids about, you know, where are they from and, you know, about their families and things like that. Um, it could open up discussion time between parent and child. And then the kids come back in and share. I was thinking that would be appropriate for like kinder and first, um, second grade and above those identity maps that mm -hmm. you know, we've kind of spent some time doing and talking about. I feel like this would be a beautiful book to launch that with um, for kids to really like learn about where they're from and then appreciate where other people are from and really going back to this idea that that we are really from our family um and so that's one of my my latest favorites beautiful i love that so um my one of my latest favorites i've recently come across this book i don't know if you've heard of it it's called watercress and it's by Andrea Wang, and the illustrations are by Jason, Jason Chen. Um, and it is just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. Um, it's a story about this young Chinese girl who um, they're living in, I think, Ohio, small town Ohio, and she's ashamed of her family and embarrassed by her family, like it's time and time again. And one of the main scenes of the book is that they're driving along the side of the road and they come across these plants, watercress plants. And so her family stops, pulls over and starts to, you know, pick them because they cook with them. And um, she's so embarrassed. She doesn't understand why her family would do that because, you know, you could just go to the grocery store and buy them. Mm. And um, basically, of course, by the end of the book, um, she gets to know, um, you know, her family um, and, and a little bit of the backstory and um, some of her family's hardships back in, in China and, um, you know, her perspective shifts, of course, um, and she grows to a sort of appreciate her family in a, in a different way. So it's just a really beautiful story. Um, I too was thinking this could be a great um, launch of some identity work, mm -hmm. you know, that, that you were talking about for kids thinking about their families and reflecting on where they're from. I think a lot of kids can relate to this idea of, you know, being um, ashamed or embarrassed about something. And we really want to bring that, you know, to light for kids. Um, I'm also thinking like in terms of reading strategies, you know, you a lot of, of our upper grade teachers at this point in the year are launching the year with character work and theme mm -hmm. work. And this book is rich and full of, you know, some character analysis we could easily do inside of this text and definitely some theme work. Um, and then also, I mean, gosh, there's so much, but I'm also just thinking like this could be a great narrative mentor text too. 
there's mm-hmm. flashback moments, there's showing, not telling, there's, um, you know, a story that's rich with meaning, um, which is all the things that we're trying to get our upper grade writers to do. So um, if, if teachers don't have this one, I definitely think I'd be adding that one to, to the collection for sure. Love it. Okay. What's your second book? All right. My second one, it sounds kind of similar to that one. It's called uh, Danby Leads the School Parade by Anna Kim. And also same voice author, Anna Kim. She came to the United States from South Korea when she was a child. Um, so it's almost a little memoir-ish. Um, it's not a autobiography, but you know, it's not her name, but I think it comes from, I know it comes from like her, what she experienced coming. And I think a lot of kids would experience. Um, this one, I was thinking more of uh, through reading strategies, like in kindergarten all the way up, like um, doing a lot of acting out. How is the character feeling? Like making their face like the character, starting to put words to those feelings, um, starting to get outside of the word sad, right? Like I feel like that's the word that a lot of kids will say, oh, she's sad, she's sad but teaching them other words, which I think will translate into all kinds of other things. Um, but in this story, she um, beca- she comes and she's different and she's feeling isolated and ashamed and all of those things. And then, and no one plays with her. And then there's a turning point where she makes one friend. All it takes is the one friend um, to take her under her wing. Um, and so I think we could do retail, we could do predictions, we could do um, character feelings, like I said, we could do um, lots of kind of talking to the character. We could use it as a window, we could use it as a mirror. Like, have you ever felt like that? How did mm-hmm. that feel? We could also say like, if Danby was in our class, what could we say to her? So I think like on a social emotional level, we could also use it. Um, So I think, again, just moving across this book, not only just because it's great for the beginning of the year and kids have felt this way before, but bringing in those reading strategies um, would be really beautiful. And then in her author's note, um, I just wanted to read this little part because I think it's so powerful. She said, my hope is that in reading this story, children will see a bit of themselves in Danby and want her as a friend. It is my deep belief that bridging our differences happens one human being at a time. Mm. Once we've connected as friends, we can begin to celebrate our differences. So I think this is the kind of book where I would read it, like you were saying with a reading and writing workshop, I would read this with like the social emotional lens. And then I would read it with like the reading skill lens. And it's a book that I would go back to again and again and again um, for both of those purposes. So Dan leads the school parade, so cute. That's awesome. And I guess like that's one thing we didn't mention, you know, now that we're sort of thinking this through, like earlier when we're thinking about why read aloud, we didn't exclusively say one of the big reasons why we read aloud is for that social emotional piece, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's, that's beautiful. Which I feel like these books, now that I'm looking at them, they all have more of a social emotional tilt to them, except for Danby, um, than reading skills. Yeah. 
So I, I need to share some more books that have reading skills in them too. Um, yeah. Well, I think, I think you can get like what you're talking about as you're talking it through, you know, like you can get the, um, multiple rounds and lenses. You can wear different lenses when you're, when you're reading aloud these books. So, and I love that idea of like, let's read it first for like a social emotional, you know, um, perspective and then, okay, now let's read it again. Let's think about like, let's practice some reading skills or, oh, let's read it a third time. And let's think about, you know, what do we learn as writers? Um, that we could try in our own writing. So I love it. It's great. Okay. My second book is called The Magical Yet. Oh, Um, I love that one. I know. It's written by Angela and I'll probably botch her last name, Dieter Lizzie. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. And the art is by Lorena Alvarez. Um, And this book, I mean, I think this easily could stretch K through um, you know, eighth grade or whatever. So, I mean, um, it's a really simple, quick, easy read. Um, it, but it's inspiring, right? And it's all about the power of yet. So I may not be able to ride my bike the first time I do it, but with more practice and dedication to it, um, I soon can, you know, reach my goal and, and, um, and ride my bike or, and it just kind of has this little magical character. That's the yet character, you know, that rides on her shoulders, sort of inspiring her, you know, to do different things that she's set out to do. So I think it's a great um, launching of the year book for any classroom, um, especially if we're talking about goal setting um, with kiddos, you know, Mm -hmm. I can see that we would read this aloud and then um, sort of engage kids in some kind of reflection of, you know, what kind of goals do you have as a writer? What kind of goals do you have as a reader, as a mathematician, you know, those sort of things. Um, So I think, um, you know, and then just having that reminder, you know, almost like it could become a class motto, you Mm -hmm. know, of like, we all have our magical yet, um, you know, so just kind of having that cue to remind kids that things are going to be hard mm-hmm. for certain, um, but we will overcome them. We, we can do them. Um, and then just thinking of a instructional, like how could I use this from an instructional lens? Um, I was actually thinking like the way that the author wrote this, there's a lot of great mentor sentences that we could study for grammar. Mm. Um, Cause there's a lot of like complex sentences with commas and dashes and things like that, that I think we could go back and study that, um, you know, as a mentor for, for grammar, actually. Love it. Okay. So what's next for you? All right. So my third book is kind of along those same lines. We must've been uh, sending brainwaves to each other, um, (laughs) is called, I am every good thing. Uh Uh-huh. Derek Barnes. Yes. I love that one. Yes. Um, also a great start of the year book, um, because it really celebrates all of the pieces that make up a child, whether it's their feelings or their family or their interest in sports or music or acting or, um, their surroundings, their environment, like all of those pieces put together make kids who they are and make them great. 
And I think that when we're, when we think about um, read aloud, building that relationship with kids and trying to build some trust with them um, and letting them explore all the different parts of themselves, almost like the book, where are you, where are you from exploring all the different places that they're from? This is exploring all the different parts of them. Um, and so I think more than I would use it obviously for the social emotional piece, but I think another way I would use this is maybe as a writing mentor text. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's some beautiful language in there, right? Like tons of similes, tons of metaphors, tons and tons of just well thought out descriptions. The power of three is in here. Um, the shortening of sentences, we could look at punctuation. Um, like I just looked at this page, I am skateboard tricks, scrape knees and elbows. And I think that's something that we teach, you know, first graders in their um, small moments is like, can you put in a set of three? And so you uh -huh. can use this in so many ways. Um, in the imagery, you know, even for our youngest kids, and then for maybe kindergartners, I would really like spend some time on the pictures, use the pictures as mentors. Like mm -hmm. how are the different ways that the pictures are telling the story, even if I can't read the words on the page, because if kindergartners aren't writing, they're really telling their story through pictures. Um, and this book does a really good job of portraying what it's trying to say, not only in the words, but also in, in the pictures. So and I think that's, yeah, sorry. I think that's a book that could span all the way up too. Yeah. Like easily yeah. I could use that with fifth grade, sixth grade kids totally. and they would still get, you know, some great, great content out of it. Good reflection yeah. Good skills. Yeah. I used it with it. teachers and it was great. I learned so much about the teachers I was working with and we really celebrated who we are. So it's another favorite. Yeah. So this is so hard. Like you know, really narrowing it down to just a few books, you mm -hmm. know, when I was like looking through like some of my stacks of books, I was like, oh my gosh, how do you eliminate? There's so many great titles. I know. Um, but I guess the final one that I would share is, and this is sort of newer to me book. Um, it's called The Oldest Student, How Mary Walker Learned to Read. Um, it's by Rita Lorraine Hubbard. And um, it is just a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, basically it's, you know, based upon a true story. So I guess, I don't know if, I guess you would categorize it as narrative nonfiction technically. Uh -huh. um, but basically the story is Mary Walker was born into slavery and um, she was emancipated at the age of 15. And then, um, you know, she never learned how to read or write. Um, and someone at, at one point gave her a Bible and faith was really important to her. And she wanted to learn how to read the Bible. Um, but, you know, as hardships in life, you know, took precedent, she had to work hard for her family and overcome, you know, a lot of great difficulties. Um, she wasn't able to learn to read. Well, until she was 116 mm. years old, she finally learned to read. Um, and so basically, you know, the book is, you know, you're never too old, you know, to learn to read or you're never too old to learn to do I something, yeah. right? Um, it's a really beautiful story. Um, and so 
Um, I love the idea of, well, I think, first of all, many of the upper grade classrooms um, that we work with, I think next year, especially now that Stamped for Kids is out. Yeah. This is another one that I would love to talk about if we had more time, but Stamped for Kids is one that I think a lot of upper grade teachers are going to be reading aloud. I think this text could really pair beautifully with that because it really brings to light you know, a real true story um, and, and uh, of the impacts of, you know, slavery and things yeah. like that. So um, I think that could be great. I think this could also be just a, another great inspiring story for us to think about goal setting again, you know, like, um, or to inspire that. Um, of course, if we're thinking about, let's, you know, we're in a, a a fiction unit of study, um, which many of us will be to launch the year. I still think because it's narrative nonfiction, we can still do some great character work and theme work and even pushing to studying author's crafts. I mean, there's some beautiful language here. Um, so I think we could really do some, some deep study of author's craft and think, you know, connect that back to some of the theme work that that's that's woven in throughout the book too. So if you don't have this one, I would definitely pick that one up too. It's really a beautiful story. I love it. Somebody read that, I think at a training that I was at and I was like, yes, like the tears, like that yes. one was, was. I know. And they have these beautiful real pictures of her in the front of the book too. Um, so I think kids would like really enjoy seeing those, you know, pictures um, of, of Mary Walker throughout her life. It's really cool. I love it. Um, so we are getting, well, let's finish up. Like it was so hard to choose books. We have so many books that we can choose from. Um, so if you have questions or you want more suggestions from us, um, feel free to email us. Um, but I think the question that we get the most when we talk about read aloud is how do you pick a book? Mm -hmm. Right? Like how, what are your favorites? Where can I get that list? Where, uh, Yeah. right? Yeah. And what do you say to that? Well, okay. I think when I think about read aloud, I think first and foremost, I mean, it's interesting because like you picked out three titles and I did, right? We kind of, I mean, it, we, you and I kind of have similar tastes, right? There's common threads yeah. that weave together, but I think ultimately you have to choose books and texts that speak to you. Yes. You know, like yes. if I can't connect to, to that book, I'm just, it, the, the love in, uh, for the book is not going to yes. ooze out of me yes. like I want it to. So I think first and foremost, one of my criteria would be like, you know, love, fall in love with the book. Yes. Um, make sure you love it. Um, I mean, sometimes that happens to me. Like, I know you probably do this too. Like I follow different people on Twitter or like on the Facebook pages or whatever. And people will post this book and they'll have a rave review of it. And then I'll go purchase it. And then I'll read it and I'll go, Hmm. I don't know. You know, like it, it didn't speak to me in that same way. So I think first and foremost, like, let it speak to you, let it move you. Yes. Um, and yes. then the power will come, you know, yes. if you build it, they yes. will come. <laughs> yes. 
and and I always in my read alouds um in the you know before we start reading it I always say like why I picked that book uh-huh and sometimes I have to like tell a little fib about why I picked it but a lot of times it is truly because there was the cover that spoke to me or I read the um blurb on the back and it, it really got to me or I read the inside cover or, you know, whatever the reason is. I think it's important that we tell kids why we pick our books. I also think that once you choose a book that speaks to you, then you think about the skills that your kids need. Yes. And then that's how you plan your book. Right. And and so we can give you lists all day of our favorite read-alouds. Um, I mean, you can look on Pinterest. There are a bajillion mm-hmm. suggestions of read-alouds for everything. Um, but go back to like, what do your kids need and what books do you love? You probably have a ton of books that you love. Mm-hmm. It's always nice to add some new current titles, of course, but yeah, I feel like we all have books in our classrooms that we love. I do think that it gets a little bit trickier the older kids that you teach because the skills that you're teaching are, are more complex, right? Like for instance, you know, if I'm a middle school teacher and I just want like a short picture book so that I can practice like a few skills very quickly, that it does become a little bit more challenging to pick books in the sense that I have to make sure the books are complex enough, right. That we can practice those complex skills. But, um, you know, I still though end up using picture books or short texts with middle school, you know, kids all the time and it works, but, um, but it does become a little more trickier, you know, the older you get. And I do think that, you know, I always encourage teachers to sort of think about that too. It's like, okay, what's the skill, you know, that you're teaching, make sure that the text that you're holding, that you want to practice it in offers that lends itself, you know, to that. Um, complex enough of a skill and something we didn't even touch on but I know is helpful for some of those more complex skills are the video allows yeah those short Pixar clips that have so much depth to them in such a short amount of time Mm -hmm. or even poetry yeah I mean I was reading the other day about um like vocabulary instruction and some of the the um, ways we can support readers in developing richer vocabularies and like poetry kept coming up. Mm. I was thinking, oh my gosh, I haven't done that enough with, you know, the classrooms I've worked in. It's, it's just using short bits of poetry. Um, I love that. You know, yeah, so, um, but in terms of like sources for books and where do I find them, there are some like people that I follow that I think, repetitively, you know, kind of have great, um, books. And one would be Colby Sharp. Um, if you follow him, he's on Instagram, he's on, um, Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. and he, like his Instagram feed is all about book and he's a fifth grade teacher. Um, and so, you know, he's in the trenches, he's in the class, in the classroom and he's sharing out books that he uses, um, 
you know, with his kids. So I, I, I follow him. And then he even does these little video book reviews, which I love. Um, so I think he's one that I would follow. Um, and then Pernell Rip is another one. And she's also on, you know, the gram and uh, Twitter. And she talks often a lot about books. I think she might be um, a middle school teacher. I think, I think if I have that right. But anyway, she would be one that I would follow. And then I think we talked about this um, another time, but the classroom, isn't it called classroom book a day? Um, yeah. I think they have a Facebook group too. Um, and they, they're often posting, you know, some, some good titles. Um, and I usually get some good new titles, fresh new titles from those people. Yes. And one I follow is Gwen Blumberg. Yeah. She oftentimes po posts mm -hmm. books. Yep. She does. Books. I also think she's, well, I'm looking at it right now. Some of them are more primary, but a lot of upper grade ones. I want to read Starfish. That's that's on my list. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I think we should maybe wrap it up. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for being here and for listening. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Um, we are in need of questions. So send us your questions that are burning. And please keep sharing this out with your colleagues and let's continue to build this um, community together. Yeah. So until next week, right? Yep. All right. Off you go. Instagram. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.